Is it Sunday yet? Almost. Welcome into the Almost Sunday Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Logan, and I'm joined by no one today. Unfortunately, I'm riding solo for this episode. Uh, the average, not your average Joes, are up to their own things today. And um, Joe Mason is actually at the game right now. As I'm recording this, he's at the 49ers versus the Rams game tonight. Uh, but Joe Meldner has something not as fun, yet still a commitment nonetheless. And so I'm Ryan Solo for this episode. Might be on the shorter side because you know what? I'm just talking to myself here, and I don't want to spend an hour just waxing poetic to myself. So without further ado, today's episode, we're going to be talking about some dogs and logs from week four. We have some waiver wire pickups. We have some dynasty drop in, and then we'll close it out and just get ready for week five. And if you've noticed, my voice is a little bit raspy today, dealing with some sinus infections. The whole household is sick, all the kids, my wife, all sick, but pushing through as uh, J.J. Watt did with his heart issue this week. I mean, you just got to show up anyway. So let's get into the dogs for this week. At the at the quarterback position, we had several good performances. We had Jared Goff. We had Geno Smith tear it up. But I don't want to spend too much time on those guys. Uh, what I do want to talk about is the running back position, which was absolutely amazing this week. We had Josh Jacobs put up 32 points on 28 for 144, rushing two touchdowns, five receptions for 31 yards. And, I mean, that is with him scoring 28.6 combined half PPR points up until this week. Last year, you saw him be a consistent running back too. He only had three top 12 weeks. He got his first one this week, probably going to be the RB1 overall in the week unless something really drastic happens in this uh, second half of the Monday night game. Um, and I'm wondering, I mean, do we have something here? Is Josh Jacobs going to be a consistent producer at the position we have had a lot of issues with consistency at the running back position so far. And so maybe Josh Jacobs is the answer to our prayers for someone to be consistently in that top 24, top 12 range. Next, another running back who had, had been disappointing up until this point, Austin Eckler came back with a vengeance, scoring three touchdowns and 109 yards. Absolutely tore it up. Thankfully, with Justin Herbert in one of my lineups, he did catch one of the one of the touchdowns. They weren't all poached from the passing game, um, but but Austin Eckler tear, tearing it up in Week Four, finally delivering on that draft capital and uh, what you were hoping for from him during this season. The next guy has a place in my heart. That's Miles Sanders, a dog this week. He rushed all over the place in the rain, in the pouring rain, against the Jaguars. 27 for 134 and two touchdowns for Miles Sanders this week. He looked good, and he's clearly the RB1 on that team. There were concerns early on in the preseason that Kenneth Gainwell was going to take a lot of work from him. That has not been the case thus far. Gainwell is just a handcuff at this point. He does vulture some touchdowns here and there, but you can't complain when Sanders had two of his own that Gainwell had one as well. The last guy that I really wanted to focus on, another running back this week is a dog, and that's Rashad Penny for the Seattle Seahawks. Didn't start out the game very great, but ended 17 for 151 and two touchdowns, 
with two really impressive uh, touchdowns. They weren't just goal line dive-ins. They were extended runs all the way to the end zone. And um, this is what you wanted from Rashad Penny when you took a chance on him in the draft, uh, getting these big blow-up weeks where he puts up a ton of yardage on the ground. Uh, He's not really going to produce much in the passing game, and that's unfortunate. But if you can get 150 yards and two touchdowns, then you can feel comfortable at least dealing with that floor that you have if he's going to give you these ceiling games. The last two guys, though, at the running back position that were also dogs this week. I don't want to leave them out. Jamal Williams and Damian Pierce. You know I'm a Damian Pierce hater, and I think that my hate is still a little bit justified because um, he's not going to do this every week. The Texans are 0-3-1. Um, there's, there's already some controversy that maybe Davis Mills isn't the answer already for this year. So you can't count on the Texans' offense to produce this kind of yardage for Damian Pierce week to week. He had a huge 75-yard run. That was the bulk of his production for this day. And so um, I think more often than not, you're going to be disappointed to have Damian Pierce in your lineup. And I'm back after a coughing spell that I'm going to cut out in the editing process. But as I was saying, Damian Pierce, more often than not, is going to be disappointing in your lineup. And um, he's not a bad start, but not somebody I want to get in on every week. Oh, man, hopefully I make it through this because my voice is already starting to go and we're about probably five, ten minutes in. (laughs) At the wide receiver position, it was pretty disappointing across the board. Only four wide receivers had over 20 half PPR points. Those were Mike Evans, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, and um, T. Higgins. All these games were like not during the main slate. We had Jefferson in the morning, Evans in the night, Higgins on Thursday, and then you had Hill uh, do well um, with Teddy Bridgewater also on Thursday. So no wide receivers in the main 1 o'clock to, to, to 4 o'clock. Those games, no wide receivers over 20 half PPR points. They all came on the weird standalone games. Um, at, in comparison, we had 10 running backs that had over 20 in week 4. Um, and across the board, it's been tough for positional players to get over 20 throughout this season. We had 8 in week 1. For wide receivers, 11 in week two, which was the best one so far. We only had three last week. So as much as we touted the wide receivers to start the year, uh, they haven't been absolutely earth-shattering, productive uh, players. We don't really have much consistency from any player throughout this season so far outside of a Cooper Cup who is in progress playing tonight. I mean, he's been a top five receiver in week one and two. And then uh, wide receiver two in the top 24 in week three. But outside of Cup, we haven't had much consistency from the position. The last dog I wanted to mention is TJ Hawkinson, who absolutely dominated at the tight end position. He had 35.9 half PPR points. He was eight for 179 and two in that crazy shootout game with Seattle. Before that, he had only 19.2 combined half PPR points. So don't get carried away in thinking that this is going to be a weekly occurrence. But it is encouraging that given the opportunity, Hawkinson was able to produce such a a mammoth game that was without Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown and DJ Chark. So we'll see what the health is for those guys moving forward. But 
I, I feel good having a few shares of TJ Hawkinson, knowing that without those guys in the lineup, he's able to be that primary option in the offense and really kill it out on the field. Now, I mean, besides the log being my voice this week, we had some players really disappoint on the field, starting with, I mean, I usually end with a tight end, but I got to talk about tight ends. Kyle Pitts, one reception, 25 yards on four targets, in only 62% of snaps. That's his lowest yet. His snap share keeps going down, which is really not what you want to see from a guy you likely took in the late second, potentially early third round. I didn't see him go much later than that. And unfortunately, he's just been a total bust so far. He could be on this log section every week, except for maybe the one week where he put up like 11 points. Uh, it's not going to get the job done. You need better from your third-round pick. And by all indications, things aren't really going to change anytime soon with him because that offense in Atlanta has just been disappointing, not getting him the targets, not force-feeding the ball. I mean, you've got guys like, oh, man, uh, Kaderil Hodge getting targets. I mean, what are you doing in Atlanta? I, I guess they, they won the game this week, so you can't fault them too, too bad. But if you're not giving the ball to your f- number four overall pick, I don't know what your thought process is. Another guy that was disappointing at tight end was Mark Andrews, the number one tight end on the season. Only two receptions for 15 yards on five targets. However, as opposed to Kyle Pitts, who was off the field quite a bit, Andrews was on the field, and so I don't have any concerns about him long term. He's going to bounce back. You're going to have down games. It's just inevitable. Pass catchers aren't always going to be able to produce week in and week out. At the quarterback position, we had a guy, well, two guys. There were plenty of bad performances. Mitchell Trubisky was worthless. He got benched. However, I wanted to talk about two guys that were getting some run in lineups as streamers, and that first one is Trevor Lawrence, who only had 6.66 points. If you're if you're religious, give yourself a little cross there because the devil's number is what Trevor Lawrence put up, and he had five turnovers against the Philadelphia Eagles. I've been telling you, pick up the Eagles' defense. They did it again. The Jaguars have been looking good, but the Eagles' defense looks better. And so Trevor Lawrence was a log this week, as was Marcus Mariota. He only had five rushing yards, and that's really what you're relying on him to do is put up rushing yards, and he didn't do it this week, and he had an interception and no touchdowns. When that happens, you're going to have a bad time. And this week was one of those really disappointing performances for Mariota, who had been looking pretty good up until this point. At the running back position, as I clear my throat because a little coughing spell is coming back, James Robinson had been top 12 the first three weeks, and unfortunately he hit that wall that is the Eagles defense. Eight Eight rushes for 29 yards, no reception, and he had the lowest snap percentage of the season at only 47%. He was outsnapped by Travis Etienne for the first time. Etienne did not do anything either. However, it is a little bit disheartening to see James Robinson lose more snaps to Travis Etienne and also put up no production. 2.9 points in half PPR is not going to get the job done. And despite that top 12 in the first three weeks, it makes you a little bit nervous putting him in your lineup when you know that that's the floor is that poor. Another log this week, Jonathan Taylor, the consensus 101 in drafts, went for 20 rushes for 42 yards 
and only one reception for one yard, as well as a fumble lost. So that leaves him at 41 rushes for 113 yards the last two games. That's 2.76 yards per carry and no touchdowns. I'm not going to talk much more about that because he did get hurt in that game, um, but that didn't really prevent him from being in most of the game. He played 88% of snaps, and so I don't really know what to say about Jonathan Taylor right now other than the Colts just need to get it right. I don't fault Jonathan Taylor as a player. That offense has just looked pretty lethargic, and um, he's going to figure it out at some point. Uh, but Matt Ryan so far has not been the answer to the prayers of Colts fans everywhere. And finally, the wide receiver logs this week. Deontay Johnson, four targets, two receptions for 11 yards. Kenny Pickett came in and played 50% of that game. And uh, it was not Deontay Johnson who he was targeting. It was George Pickens on the outside. And Deontay Johnson has had over 10 targets each of the first three weeks. Not this game, only the four. And a really disappointing performance from a guy you were relying on for a PPR machine performance. Last two guys that are logs this week. Amari Cooper coming off some really great games. Only had four targets, one reception for nine yards. He had had 21 combined targets the previous two weeks. Not the case in this one. A loss to the Falcons. You got to figure that he's going to get more involved next week. Uh, they lost the game, and so they're going to want to get back to the game plan of really getting Cooper involved early and often. And finally, Gabe Davis, everybody's hero in week one and darling during the pre-draft process. Three targets, one for 13, and he played 98% of the snaps. So he's on the field, might not be 100%. Can't really speak for Gabe Davis's health. I'm not Gabe Davis, but this is kind of what the risk was for him by taking him as a top 24 wide receiver option was low target volume, and unless you get the long touchdown, you're in for some disappointing outcomes. And uh, this is one of those ones where he just wasn't part of the game plan. And he, uh, I, I don't know, he might not be healthy. And if he isn't, then hopefully they acknowledge that and get him healthy before they keep throwing him out there for 98% of the snaps and to be totally ineffective. I mean, you have Khalil Shakir getting... Uh, more production than Gabe Davis yesterday, who had been a healthy scratch for several weeks and stepped in because Jake Kumaro was out. So not what you want to see from Gabe Davis, who you're probably starting as wide receiver two on your team. <clears throat> now, let's see if I can get through some waiver wire ads. The big ones this week are all running backs, and they're all because of injuries to the guys ahead of them or just guys coming back from injury. And the three that I want to make sure that you're aware of, and I'm sure you are, but it's always good to double-check, is Mike Boone of the Denver Broncos, Broncos, number one. He's going to be the second-string guy, but Melvin Gordon ahead of him has had a lot of issues with fumbles so far this year. And so there is a world where Mike Boone could get a ton of work in this offense as the year goes on. Um, we have Javante Williams, who unfortunately went down with a torn ACL and more. Uh, so he's going to be in for a long recovery with his knee, and Mike Boone is stepping in to to an opportunity for increased snaps. And and he he's not terrible. He's a replacement-level player. But when you're trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel for running backs right now because it's slim pickings for guys who are effective, 
Uh, you can do much worse than Mike Boone. I mean, for, for God's sake, I was rostering Kenyon Drake in some leagues earlier on in the season out of desperation. And so Mike Boone is in for a bunch of work coming up throughout the rest of the year. Now the next guy, Tyler Algier, rookie from BYU on the Atlanta Falcons. He got extended work this week. We have an injury to Cordell Patterson. He was placed on IR, effective today. So he is in for a much higher workload for at least the next four games. And his teammate, Caleb Huntley, did really well also yesterday. However, that guy, they don't have any loyalty to him. They didn't put any draft capital into him. And so I really think that they're going to turn over the reins in ex- to an extent to Tyler Algier because they did they did draft him, and um, they're going to want to develop him. I mean, they're not going anywhere this season, and so you might as well develop the guys that you put a capital into. And so Tyler Algier, although I don't think he's that great, I mean, he's going to get volume, and um, he's probably like a poor man's Damian Pierce, a rushing threat in a bad offense. Hopefully he falls into the end zone but you can't really count on him to be much in your team. And the last guy I want to mention, Brian Robinson. It hasn't been said yet if he's coming back this week, but he is eligible to return from those gunshot wounds that he suffered before the season. And so uh, look for him to get involved in that Washington Commanders offense. Antonio Gibson hasn't been bad. However, they really touted and talked up Brian Robinson as a between-the-tackles guy. And so um, it's probably a good idea to stash him and put him on the IR if he's still available. I know a lot of sharp guys are doing that already, so if they haven't done it yet, you be that sharp guy or gal. And then a trio of wide receivers that I want to mention that might be on your waivers. George Pickens is owned in over 50% of sleeper leagues. However, if he is available, he is the beneficiary of Kenny Pickett coming in yesterday. He got a ton of targets. He had production, and he just looks good on the field. He's not being he's not getting lucky. He's not lucking into these targets. He is good and he's a good pickup this week. The last two guys, Josh Reynolds and Isaiah McKenzie. Josh Reynolds is still kind of like a, a rental, but while he's available and while he's getting a lot of, of work on the field, he is producing. And so um we gotta monitor DJ Chark and Amon Ross St. Brown and, and Swift. But until they come back full strength, Josh Reynolds is not a bad start as a, as a spot starter in place of these injured guys. And then lastly, McKenzie out of the slot in uh, Buffalo. He got banged up yesterday, but still put together a decent game. Um, I think he's moving ahead of Crowder as far as uh, the pecking order at that slot position. And with that, you're going to see a lot of red zone targets when Josh Allen is just looking in the middle of the field. Uh, for guys across the middle, and that guy is Isaiah McKenzie. And I want to mention last week I talked about the Eagles' defense. This week I'm going to talk about the Vikings' defense. The Vikings are playing the Chicago Bears this week, and the Chicago Bears have been absolutely dreadful on offense. They turn the ball over. They don't throw it well. They do run it pretty well, but they got nobody on that team. Um, They got a banged-up David Montgomery. Khalil Herbert has been good. Uh, but not that good uh, to justify not starting a defense against him. And then, I mean, you should have seen the wide receivers they had rolling out there this week. I mean, you had Valus Jones coming out for his uh, retirement ceremony um, in his his final year. He's just aging out of the league. So uh, he's one of the receivers, Dante Pettis. They're all just scrap heap guys. And so, like, 
Justin Fields can't do much better with any of these guys because they're nobodies except Darnell Mooney, who had a decent game. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, the Vikings should be a good start at defense this week because Justin Fields looks horrible. And uh, you got to take advantage of those matchups because defenses are so reliant on those matchups to produce numbers. And I think the best one that you can get on waivers this week is the Vikings. All right, I'm flying through it. Thanks for bearing with me. I had a couple of coughing spells that you're not going to hear, but uh, they're happening nonetheless. And so I want to talk about some Dynasty before I close it out for this short, abbreviated solo show. My first guy on the deep waiver options, I mentioned him a little bit earlier, Caleb Huntley of the Atlanta Falcons. To be perfectly honest, I think I have a pretty good grasp of most players in the NFL. I had not heard of this guy before yesterday. So I want to acknowledge that, that this is just a guy that was totally off my radar. However, he put together some decent runs. He had a nice touchdown. And so Caleb Huntley, he's probably on your waivers in Dynasty. I don't see why he wouldn't be. I'm in a league where the rosters are 34 deep and he's still available. Uh, so go out and speculatively add Caleb Huntley, especially if you're adding guys to the IR. You're going to have an empty roster spot. Add this guy I mean, it's not often that you can find guys that are getting playing time off of the waivers in Dynasty. So not a bad ad this week. Um, another guy that I think you should be trying to trade for is the aforementioned Travis Etienne from the Jaguars game. He outsnapped James Robinson. And so I think you're going to see that trending in the right direction for him. He hasn't really put together anything of worth yet. But in Dynasty, you're trying to capitalize and secure these young running backs. And I think you can do well to try to get ETN. I'm not sure what it's going to take because the owners who have him are probably going to want to hold him. So you're going to have to maybe pay up a little bit for a guy that you're technically buying low on. Uh, but if if you're willing, if you have multiple first-round picks, I don't think that if it's a late first-round pick, you're going to get somebody this year the caliber of Travis ETN. So if you're contending now and you're going to have a late first rounder, see what happens. Throw throw the offer out. Try to get Travis Etienne for a first. <clears throat> and I think he's going to become more and more involved in that Jags offense as James Robinson uh, is more, I mean, he's limited. James Robinson is great. But the capital, the draft capital wasn't there. Travis Etienne is a first round pick in the NFL. He's going to figure it out and he's going to do well. Another guy that I think that um, we should try to tr target in trades is Saquon Barkley. It's hard to believe, considering how long it felt like he was gone, that he's only 25 years old still. But he is. He's 25. And so while you're looking at the age cliff of running backs like Aaron Jones and uh, Leonard Fournette, Derrick Henry, uh, I mean, Melvin Gordon's beyond it, like Dalvin Cook, they're 27. You've got two more year window a two a two uh oh my gosh a two year window for Saquon Barkley before he even hits that 27 year old age cliff to put together some great seasons and i think that people see Barkley as more of a short term dynasty asset but i think that he'll be good for another two or three years which will be valuable and so if you can try to get Barkley even if you're if you're buying high i think he's worth it right now to try to acquire and win some championships. 
Another guy that I think is a good trade target in Dynasty is A.J. Brown of the Philadelphia Eagles. There were concerns coming in that it's a high-volume rushing offense. He's not going to be able to sustain enough volume in the air. He's not going to get enough targets. They don't throw it enough. I feel like all those concerns are out the window so far. A.J. Brown has been just about as good as any other wide receiver in the league this year, and the sky is the limit. That team is 4-0. A.J. Brown is towards the top of the leaderboard in the wide receiver position. I mean, he scored 20.5 in Week 1, 9.4 Week 2, 17 in Week 3. He had 12 this week. He has been more consistent, honestly, than he ever has been. He had these games where he would just disappear for the Titans, and that has not happened yet for the Philadelphia Eagles. He is such a focal point in the offense. He will always get targets, and as long as he's healthy, he's going to be great. And so all those concerns you had about his volume coming into this year are gone. So trade for A.J. Brown. And lastly, I want to talk about tight end to trade for, and that's Pat Fryermuth. The dude has been good. He's been, like, not talked about much. However, I mean, he's a top 12 tight end, which, I mean, it doesn't say that much, but, like, he has put up numbers week in and week out where others people have just busted completely. He was a tight end, uh, top 12 tight end the first two weeks, had a, a little bit of a down game last week, didn't craze, like didn't crater you in your matchup. He had five last week, and then he had 12 this week. So, no, that's not crazy numbers, but if you're playing in tight end premium, that value goes up. He's getting a bunch of targets. Seems like Kenny Pickett likes to throw to him. So we'll see what so we'll see how it goes with Kenny Pickett, but I think some people might be down on his value because of the change to Pickett, and we'll see if that, if that stays, if they go back to Trubisky or if they stay with Pickett. I don't see how he can go back to Trubisky. But Pat Fryermuth is low-key a good, a good value. Uh, at tight end dynasty. I mean, he's been better than Kyle Pitts. So, like, go get the guy who's been better than Kyle Pitts for much less. And, again, win some championships this year. Stop waiting on Kyle Pitts. I mean, don't trade him, but I don't know. You know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying. All right, to close out the show, blazing through the list, rookie values. We don't really have many values that are down this week. We had some go get injured. Jahan Dotson's hurt. Traylon Burks is hurt. That's unfortunate. I don't see that really as hurting their value. However, the guys who are up, Chris Olave, once again, is just a volume machine. He's getting tons of targets. He scored a touchdown this week. And um, the sky's the limit for this guy so far. He is going to be hyper-targeted in that offense, especially while those veterans keep getting banged up. I mean, Landry seems like he's already... In rough shape for the season. Uh, Michael Thomas was out. We don't know what that's going to look like long term. So Chris Olave in Dynasty particularly, he's going to be the number one receiver in that offense for the near future. And you always want those number one receivers in any offense. And he's the guy. So, I mean, I wasn't much in on him. But I've been uh, convinced that Chris Olave is a dude. Next, Damian Pierce, as much as I hate to admit his value did go up this week because he proved that he can have those those high ceiling games. I'm not convinced that he won't have plenty of floor games, but nonetheless, Pierce, he tore it up, and so you got to give him some credit, and his value goes up. Last guy I want to talk about, Chig Okonkwo, tight end for the Tennessee Titans. 
the idea was that Austin Hooper was going to be the tight end one in this offense. They signed him. I mean, Jeff Swaim is always on the field, too, as a blocker. But this dude was the one who scored the touchdown this week from the tight end position. They drafted him this season. Uh, I don't know what school he came from. I would have to look it up. Um, but Chig, he might be the guy. He put up more points than any Titans tight end has this year in that one game. He's not playing a ton of snaps. But if you're looking for a guy on the waivers, Chig Conco might be on the waivers. And so go grab him because long-term, it looks like he'll be the option as the passing tight end in the Tennessee Titans uh, squad. So I went over the dogs, the logs, the waivers, the dynasty drop-in, and that'll do it, folks. Hopefully I'm making Joes proud. I know that they'll probably tune in and hear my raspy voice, and I lost it a couple times. But if you're listening, I appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll hear, we'll, you'll hear us again next week. All three of us will be back. We'll have to hear about Mason's trip to the game and uh, hear about whatever Belner's up to tonight. I know he had some work stuff to take care of. But we'll, be, we'll all be back next week. Thanks again for listening to the Almost Sunday Fantasy Football Podcast. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at NARPDAD. Joe Belner's at Joe Belner. And Joseph Mason is at Joseph Mason 94 Thanks again. And we'll see you next week.